And he started smiling and he began to read to me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1. I started shaking. I lost conscience. After one verse? After that verse, yes. And the next I know, I'm on my knees with my hands lifted up, inviting Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. Charlie's sitting, shaking, crying. What happened, Charlie? He said, no, never seen anything like this in my life. You looked weird, but I like it anyway. And he come and he hugged me. Can a Muslim jihadist terrorist experience a radical conversion and become a follower of Jesus? People can change. As believers in Christ Jesus, maybe we shouldn't give up too soon on anyone. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we present an interview with Tas and his radical conversion of how Christ changed his life. Take a listen to this radical conversion story. We know that in Isaiah chapter 9, the prophecy is that a people living in great darkness in this land will see a great light. And we know from that prophecy and and the other prophecies, Messianic prophecies, that Jesus was in fact that light. He came to minister in this country, uh, to die on the cross here in this city, uh, to rise again in this city. And he's coming back to reign over the whole world in this city. And what a great uh, story, a gospel story. But the people of Israel now and the Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank are living in great darkness. Most of them, the vast majority of Israelis and Palestinians don't know Jesus as their personal savior, the Lord, the risen Messiah. And that's why there's such tension. That's why there's such hatred. And that's what we need to ask God to do something dramatic, supernatural. You're going to meet uh, my friend Tasir Sada. We call him Tas. Tas was once a Palestinian radical Islamist terrorist. If I knew Tosh when he was in his 20s, I never would have had anything to do with him because I would have been dead. But we're going to talk about the transformation that God did in Tosh's life, changing him, transforming him radically from a radical Islamist jihadist, uh, a terrorist, uh, to a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, what a great story to tell. Tosh, first of all, welcome. It's great to have you. Joel, thank you very much for having me with you. And I'm honored, really that I'm able to spend the time with you. Well, I'm grateful. Now, your first book was called Once an Arafat Man. You used to serve Palestinian terrorist, Palestinian leader, uh, Yasser Arafat, and uh, your families were very close, and uh, you did some terrible things. Uh, sadly. F- sadly. But when you asked me in 2008 to write the foreword for your book. It took us a while to meet and to, <laughs> yeah. for me to understand and believe your story, but I did. And I, I was so honored to write the foreword to Once an Arafat Man. And so I want you to tell us your story tonight, that there's hope, that God loves the Palestinian people as well as the Israeli people, mm-hmm. that he loves Jews and Muslims, and he wants us to follow Jesus. So let's start at a very interesting moment in your personal life. 2003, you come to Israel and you immediately get arrested and interrogated. Why don't you start into the story that way? Why did they arrest you? <laughs> well, because I, I, I was wanted. And I knew that. And I planned it that way because I wanted to confess. You planned to get arrested by coming I, here? I planned to be. And I, I know I was going to be. And uh, as, as, 
I have been discipled, and and the more I I grew in Christ, the more I get so guilty that I need to make things right with the Israelis, with the other people that have done evil things to. And so I came to Israel on the first time as a friend of Israel in 2003, knowing all the tour that was with me, they were aware that I might be arrested. Okay. Because they knew your background. They knew, and I, 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 I warned them that not to get involved, okay. stay away. Now, you, you, I think it was 14 hours that you were in, uh, interrogated? I was interrogated for 14 hours. I never thought I was going to be out anyway. Okay. But 14 hours of each hour different person interrogating me, asking okay. me basically the same questions hmm. for 14 hours. And I answered wholeheartedly because... It's more healing for me. It was really those moments as I was being interrogated, it was emotional and physical healing for you me. You felt that God wanted you to confess. Exactly. So the last person comes in, I think he was a colonel. A colonel, yeah. In the Israeli intelligence or police forces. What does I he say? What does he Shabak, say to you? Yeah. He, he came and, Mr. Avusada, I don't know what to say to you. I'm looking at your 14 answers. There is no wavering. You have so close. There is nothing, a crack in between that would cause me to, to suspect. Okay. Why? I said, why did you come? Knowing that you are going to be arrested. You are one That's what he's asking you. Yeah. Okay. I said, yes, I know. And uh, I came purposely because uh, I want to confess. Why? I said, because I've become a Christian. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I want to make things right. How did in this Jewish my, colonel in the Israeli his intelligence His eyes got so big, and he's looking at me, and also the look of suspicion. Sure. He's still not really sure. believing. But then he said, towards the end, he said, uh, I have a question. And he got closer, eye to eye. Did you have Jewish blood on your hand? Hmm. I looked at him and I went forward with my eye to eye. And I said, Colonel, what do you think I did as an assassin? But I have a question for you, Colonel. He said, yes. And I got closer into his eye. I said, do you have Palestinian blood in your hand? He said, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to let you go. I don't know why, but I'm going to let you go. But I want you to know. You're going to be followed. I said, if you didn't, then you're not doing your job. I'm aware, I'm familiar with these things. And he let me go. And I left there and I am so emotionally knowing and believing that Jesus had a hand in this. Mm. This man, the colonel, God touched him some way. Mm. Because on the reality, there is no way I should be let go. No way. If I was still living in my old life, it would not be a fun game for you to be in the same room with me. But I praise Jesus Christ that gave me that new life to be able to stand with you here and take a stand for the truth, for the Word of God. Hallelujah. First Timothy, First Timothy 1.12 it says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, 
who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it all in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to stand here today and give him all the honor and the glory. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Our verse of the day today is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Our prayer requests today are number one, pray for Muslims in the epicenter and around the world that their hearts would be open to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And second, pray that the hearts of people around the world are open and that many of them would be willing to give to enable us to preach the gospel to Muslims around the world. What happened immediately following uh, that interrogation? Where they let you go after you confessed what you'd been doing? They let me go. Of course, I am in awe and surprised. Shocked. Because I was never thinking I was going to be seen again. I came out and uh, the tour group that was, they were still there sitting praying. I came out and I'm looking. There is an Israeli soldier with all of his weapons and fatigue. And, and suddenly something just started boiling in my heart. Mm. This is one of these people that are killing my people. I thought, wait, wait a minute. How, where did that come from? Mm. I had to have victory over this. Mm. So I looked at the 
pastor that was with me, I said, I want to go to pray for them. He said, Taz, 14 hours, please. We got to go. <laughs> Enough already. Enough. Yeah. I said, no, no, I got to have victory over this. This is something that just rose up. So I went to the soldier. I said, do you, do you speak English? He said, a little bit. I said, uh, uh, my name is Taisir Avusada. I, I was one of Arafat fighters. Suddenly he's moving his machine gun. I said, no, no, relax. I'm a believer in Jesus and I want to pray for you and for your faith safety. Wow. I said, would you mind? He said, uh, it's okay, but I don't close my eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I laughed. That's reasonable. Said, yeah. And I raised my hand and I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I was crying. Mm. I was done. And I looked at him and he has tears mm. in his eyes. I said, thank you. And I turned around and I go, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I looked back. He said, can I have a hug? Mm. Wow. And we hugged. We hugged and cried and cried. And he was holding me so tight. Well, that's it. Jesus is the answer, right? And that's what we celebrate. Jesus coming into the world um, when we celebrate Christmas. But without Christ, you wouldn't have had this radical transformation. And look at the effect on a a colonel for Israeli intelligence, for a soldier uh, moved to tears. When when you and I met, we went down to an Israeli hospital. You were bringing funds, I think, to help that hospital. The Joshua Fund, I was bringing, uh, I think, neonatal incubators to help uh, preemie children, babies born uh, premature in the hospital. And when you told the story of how you came to faith in Jesus, I remember the president of the hospital was in tears. Everybody was in tears because of what you had been. Take a moment and just tell us briefly, people need to read the book, but who were you when you were a radical Muslim Palestinian terrorist? I was an angry young man. When we lost the 67 war, I thought, that's it. These Arab leaders are selling us out to the Jews. I'm going to go fight for my homeland. That anger, that energy of the anger came, showed on the, on the ground. My commanding officers, they saw how vicious I was, and even in my training, mm. I was competing everybody. Mm. Unfortunately, a lot of sets, ugly things that I've done that personally I just don't want to look back at, mm. don't want to think. If I had a chance to change, I would change that because it was evil, mm. pure evil. You were a sniper, you were an assassin. At multiple levels. And again, people can read the details, but how did Christ change you? I mean, that's such a huge, huge breaking point that I don't think most people, not in Israel or in Gaza or in the West Bank, think is possible. They think if that's your life, then that's your life and you you cannot change. That's true. I wasn't, no way I was looking for Christ or Christianity. I went to America at the age 23 with the recommendation of Yasser Arafat actually continue my education. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, as yeah, you spent several hours with yeah. him talking about the, your yeah. next step within the, the PLO organization. Yeah, because I didn't want to be an assassin anymore. And mm-hmm. I told him, uh, I want to go back to be a sniper or, or a fighter. But, okay. And he said, young man, you're a natural born leader. You should go and continue your education. Okay. I thought, Brother Arafat, that's <laughs> the best idea. So you went to the United States. I went to the United States, how I got a visa. That's really another miracle. Yeah. But. I hated Americans just as much as I hated the Jews. And I was preparing to be reactive. Mm -hmm. But the American people treated me with such respect and acceptance, better than my own people. There was a particular guy that came into your life named Charlie. 
I eventually stayed, I re- decided to stay in America instead of going to France to continue my education and started working at a restaurant and from a dishwasher to uh, a little cook uh, to a busboy. And it was my busboy, my first customer, <laughs> went to take his 30 dishes away. I was so nervous. I'm from a wealthy family. To do that kind of job is bringing shame to my family. So I was nervous, and I'm reaching. My hands were shaking. A man sitting at the table by the name of Charlie, he was with a young lady with him. He looked at me with such a beautiful smile, and he said, Thank you, young man. As an Arab, we don't never thank our servants. And this man is thanking me? That touched my heart. That began a relationship with Charlie. And Charlie, for some reason, had to be God, took a liking in me and always wanting me to be around him. Built a friendship with you. And eventually, he gives you a New Testament, right? Well, 19 years later, all these years, never said to me anything about his God or until that 19 years at his house, starting to tell me Jesus was son of God. First first thing, as we were getting into the house and tasked to have the peace that I have, you must love a Jew. And that just really infuriated me. Mm. And he knew I was getting angry. He knew my history. Mm. I shared everything with him. Mm. For him to suggest I must love a Jew, that was a big no-no. But he knew. He calmed me down. He said, come and sit down. Sat down. So he was basically praying for you and waiting till he thought, even with all the anger inside you, that you might, might be ready. Exactly. God had a total hand in that. We sat down and said, okay, what are you talking about? And then he said, uh, what do you know about Jesus? I said, I know Jesus. Well, you know, he's a prophet. He said, well, he's more than a prophet. I said, what is he? He said, he's the son of God. He's God. I jumped off that chair and as furious as I was, I loved him as I did, mm-hmm. but I was ready to, to clever him. I came to America back in 1974. I don't know why I came to America. I have no idea why I came to America. Because I hated Americans just as much as I hated Jews. No offense. (laughs) I did. I'm sorry. To me, a good Jew was, used to be a good Jew is a dead Jew. But thank God he filled my heart with so much love for the Jewish people. They were the first to pray for before my own people the day after I gave my heart to Jesus. I woke up that early in the morning and I felt the presence of the Lord so powerful in the room. I did not have power in my knees to stand up. I fell on my face. And I was thanking Allah at the time. I thought it was Allah for what he's done, this peace, this joy that I'm having in my heart that I've never experienced before. And then I hear myself praying a prayer, saying, Oh God, bless your people Israel. Oh God, gather them back to the promised land. (laughs) Literally, I put my hand on my mouth, shutting my mouth up. What am I saying? (laughs) That's the power of God. If we let him. My friends... I could not understand why I prayed for my enemy before my own people until I ran to find the word of God and realized at that moment 
I, after I read the Bible, I read it in 45 days. I'm not a good reader, but I did. In 45 days, I came to the understanding of who this land belongs to. I came to understand I was fighting a wrong war. I came to understand that Israel is not winning these wars because of the mighty power of the IDF army. It's because we were fighting God and His plans for Israel. Yes, glory to God. You can't fight God and win. This is why I'm so urgent for us to take the message. My friend, you have 6.8 or 7 million Muslims that came to this nation. I was one of those. God brought me to the shores of America so a man by the name of Charlie Sharp would befriend me and love me for 19 years, treating me as an equal person. When I had nothing to offer him, the man is a very wealthy man. Why is he treating me like that? 19 years, not one time he shared anything about his religion or his Jesus. Until the time of God came. And he was one to lead me to the kingdom. This is the turning point in your life, right? Yeah, when I got angry and I jumped off, I want to clobber him and, and he calmed me down and I was running out. He brought me back and give me a minute. He went, came back, brought a book, a box, took the book out of it, took the Bible out. And I can see it says, Holy Bible. And he came and sat next to me. English or Arabic? In English. English, okay. And he said it so next, so close to my thigh, I jumped away from it. So why did you jump like that? I said, I can't touch that. He said, why? It's just a piece of paper. I said, no, no, it's got the name of God and word of God in it. So you believe this is the word of God? I said, yes. Why did I say Sunnis? Muslims really don't. Yeah. I said, okay, let me read it to you. Technically, the Quran set commands people to read the Injil, the New Testament, but then all the Muslim all the uh, clerics say don't, don't do it. Okay. No, but anyway, so you, you actually do open it up, right? He did. He did. He opened the book and he was going to look for a page. Then he stopped and he started smiling and he began to read to me. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1. I started shaking. I lost conscience. I After one verse. Happened. After that verse, yes. And the next I know, I'm on my knees with my hands lifted up, inviting Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Charlie sitting, shaking, crying. What happened, Charlie? He said, man, never seen anything like this in my life. You looked weird, but I like it anyway. And he come and he hugged me. What happened in that moment? When I was on my knees, I was speaking to something. He said to me, you are speaking to somebody that that I didn't know what you were saying. I was not English, okay. and I really don't know what I was speaking, but I was speaking to a light, a very powerful light that was saying, I am Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. Wow. And I never, never stopped Never looked sense. back. Never looked back. Toss, I'm so grateful. In this book, uh, Once an Arafat Man, you tell uh, much more detail, of course, and we have time for on this program, about really who you were, prior to coming to Christ. You tell the story in more detail about how you came to Christ and then how God has changed your life and given you a heart for your people, the Palestinian people, but also a love for Israel. And I just want to say uh, to all of my viewers on the Rosenberg Report, look, I want you to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get books and buy Once an Arafat Man. You see the, uh, the cover on the screen. I wrote the foreword. I love this book and I love this man. 
And you're going to understand why once you've read that story. And the reason I want you to read this, the book is so you understand that there is hope for Palestinians. Amen. The Pal- this is a, a man from Gaza. This is a man from Gaza, born in Gaza, who is in many ways no different from the terrorists, uh, was no different than the terrorists that are fighting with Israel today. We're going to talk about the differences next week. He's going to be with me next week for the next show. But but God did something extraordinary. And God wants to do this type of life-changing, supernatural, radical transformation in the lives of Palestinians and not just Palestinians, Israelis. Well, there can be no this ultimate peace between Israelis and Palestinians unless Jesus changes us. Yes, there can Jesus. be geopolitical peace. And we're going to talk about a post-Hamas if you world found this with a man really valuable, born and raised in Gaza. Uh, and so Let you're going to see that. You but you um, you've got to read the book to fully show. understand it. Do you have and a question you want Joel to answer? Send any comments you may have to podcast at joshuafund.net. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.